masking protocol for the state is probably going to elapse. And so um, I think this is the, the last Sunday, at least, that I'm going to be wearing this consistently up front indoors. Um, just want to let you know that that's kind of where we're tracking right now. And uh, we're going to kind of follow suit with the, the protocol on that, which looks like it's coming, it's coming due. So that being said, let's go ahead and look at the text for tonight. Uh, stand if you're able. We're in Romans chapter 5. Picking up where we left off last time, which was kind of mid-thoughts in this comparison between Adam and Jesus. And so we're going to kind of continue with that comparison in the text. But this particular portion of the passage is going to let us to see something new about this comparison. So if you would follow along with me, starting in verse 18, God's word says this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men... So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, we ask and pray that the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. We ask it and pray it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. Go ahead and be seated. So, uh, by the way, um, I had to borrow Pastor Brian's Bible tonight. Um, I didn't forget my Bible, so don't think that. It's actually I was helping with something out in the lobby, and I think I left it out there. And so instead of going and trying to look for it while you guys were like, where's the preacher? Uh, I decided I was going to use Brian's, and it is, this is nice, dude. Holy smokes. And what really makes my heart sing is I'm seeing the passage I preached from last week. Brian's got like all these underlines and circles and arrows. There's arrows in here. An exclamation point. So I hope that means he was paying attention. Um, or it could be like you listened to some cooler preacher on, that preached on this text, right? So uh, last week, actually, the, uh, the one that Brian has all the underlines in here for, um, we really sunk our teeth into the comparison between Adam and Jesus. In fact, the title from last week was called The Second Adam, because really what I wanted you to see and understand more than anything else was how Jesus, in a sense, is, he is the second Adam. He's the one that comes in and he is able to do what the first Adam could not and they have this similarity, this parallel of that Adam and Jesus are the only two people in all of history that have ever been representatives of humanity. Meaning that what they do, their actions, are transmitted to all their descendants after them. So they have that parallel and that's really what we leaned into last week. This week though, what I want to do instead is kind of look at the other side of that comparison. And specifically, I want to look at what's different between Adam and Jesus. We spent so much time last week talking about what was the same, what the parallels and the similarities are. I really want to think about the differences. And not at the obvious surface like, oh, they have different names. They're different people. Yes, that, that is different. But 
I want to look about, excuse me, I want to look at the differences in the power of their actions. So Adam disobeyed, Jesus obeyed. Those two moral actions are not equal in power. One of those actions is way stronger than the other. Want to take a guess on which one is which? Uh, Sunday school answer. Jesus is always the good thing. When the, when the preacher asks for uh, somebody to yell out a name in church, the answer is always Jesus. Jesus' obedience is way more powerful than Adam's disobedience. So the reason I'm kind of making a big deal about this is because if we were to take, let's just say the sermon from last week in isolation, if that was the only teaching on Romans 5 that you ever encountered, you ever heard, there would be a danger there that you would come away thinking that, hey, Adam and Jesus are very similar, they're kind of the same, and you might even begin to think that their actions sort of have this equal force so that they push on each other in, in contrast, in balance. You might even start thinking of it in a very familiar symbol for many of you guys, if you put it up on the screen, in this. What is this? The yin and the yang. Yin and yang. Uh, forgive me, I'm not an expert on this. But I do know enough to know that the idea behind it is balance. That the light and the dark are pushing each other. They're creating this sort of perfect tension, this, this compatible balance of all the forces of the universe. And because of the symmetrical language about Adam and Jesus, even we saw some of it today. It, you know, Adam disobeys and sin comes into the world. Jesus obeys and life comes into the world, we could start thinking about them in terms of like this light and dark pushing on each other in balance. Two equal forces sort of canceling each other out. But that is not the takeaway that you're meant to get from Romans 5. And some of y'all last week probably even sort of realized this and you're like, yo, Josh, you're, you're, you keep talking about the similarities between these two guys, but, but really... A lot of the language in our text last week talked about how different their actions were. And so that's why we're coming back to it this time around, to really make sure that we see that well. There's a parallel between Adam and Jesus, and yet there is a huge significant difference, especially when it comes to the power of their actions. The obedience of Jesus is way more powerful than the disobedience of Adam and, sorry, I was looking for the big, like, red sort of prohibition sign to put up on this, but I couldn't find it. So I just had to do an arrow that says, it's not like this. It's not like that. Where am I getting this from, from the text? Well, um, there's lots of places all throughout this portion of Romans 5, that's for sure. But the main place that I want us to sort of sink our teeth into tonight is in one verse that we read in that little text. It was in verse 20. And in fact, not only is it just one verse, there's one word in particular that I want us to sort of focus on. Verse 20 says this, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin agree, increased, grace, and here's the word, abounded all the more. 
grace abounded all the more. To give you a visual, what the Bible here is saying is that Adam introduces sin into the world like this. Jesus introduces grace into the world way up here. They don't come in at equal levels. They don't come in pushing on each other in tension. No, grace abounds all the more. The actual technical definition of that word abound, and actually I take that back, the very wooden literal translation of that word is super increase. It's just sort of a combination of words in Greek so that to read this in a very kind of wooden way, it would be where sin increased, grace super increased. And I thought of that this week. Uh, The reason it stuck with me is because I could almost hear like kids on the playground teasing each other. And one saying like, I've got infinity points. And then the next kid going, I've got infinity plus one points. Just a little bit of one-upsmanship that I think Paul is going for in the text here. And then get this. After preaching in paradise today, somebody comes up to me and was like, oh, that's kind of clever that, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday and you did super grace. I was like, I had no way. I wasn't thinking about that at all. It's just how the text played out in this Greek word. So, hey, the providence of God, guys. Amazing. The super grace idea, though, is like we just said before, it's like the kid on the playground, infinity plus one, just always a little bit more. And if we want to put it in terms of Adam and Jesus, we could put it like this, where Adam's disobedience brings sin into the world, the obedience of Jesus brings super grace into the world. Paul doesn't want you to see it. He he makes up this new sort of fun category Say, like, I'm just, it's not just sin and grace, it's sin and super grace. Or, to put it in kind of a familiar phrase that we've heard before, it's like Adam brought a knife to a gunfight. It ain't gonna go well. So, what I wanna do in the little bit of remaining time is see super grace in action. Because it's one thing for me to just tell you guys, or even of the Apostle Paul in this letter, to just say like, hey, by the way, Christ's obedience is way more powerful than Adam. Okay, good. But like, let's actually prove that. Let's see it play out in our lives, but also in how it's described in the scripture of how salvation actually works. So we're going to find it in two places. So really just kind of two points tonight, and then maybe two and a half. The conclusion is kind of a half point in itself. But we're going to look for this more powerful obedience, this super grace, in two places. And the first place we're going to see it is actually cheating a little bit. We're going to go backwards to verse 15, a passage that I looked at last week in the sermon. And we're going to kind of dip our toes into that to see something we didn't get to see before. Here's what verse, verse 15 says. It says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded, there's our word, for many. The judge, or excuse me, the free gift is not like the trespass. The free gift is greater, it's stronger, it's more powerful, it's better. And why? It's tied up very simply in the actual phrase itself. Because it's free. 
the obedience of Jesus, the reason why it is way more powerful than the disobedience of Adam is because what he gives is free, unmerited, undeserved. And Adam's inheritance isn't like that. Now, there might be an objection here, at least if I was sitting where you are, I would object. And I'd be like, hey, preacher, uh, the disobedience of Adam is free too. (laughs) I mean, he passes down original sin to us. I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't even ask for it. It just showed up on my doorstep one day and I got it. So, hey, how is this much different? If the gift of Jesus is free, well, the gift of Adam seems to be free too because I didn't pay for it. It's true. The major difference, though, is we do deserve the gift of Adam. It's not undeserved or unearned like Christ. It is something that we very much do earn and deserve, and it fits us. Every single day of our lives, we echo the disobedience of Adam in some way, shape, or form. And we continue in his footsteps with the way that we live. We show ourselves to be his children with the way that we're consistently showing the brokenness and sin in our lives. And I was thinking this week, um, something I said just a second ago, that it fits us. That kind of helped me sort of envision the scenario where we thought about Adam's inheritance that he gives to us almost as like this big trunk of clothes that he passes down to us as our, our inheriting, or excuse me, our inheritance. So what, what if Adam's inheritance to us, you know, we went to the lawyer's office and it's like, ah, Adam has left you a big trunk of his clothes. We'd probably be very disappointed. Partly because nobody really wants to receive secondhand clothes, but also because it's another person. How are his clothes going to fit us? But then we begin to try these things on, and we realize that, oh, wow, Adam's clothes actually fit me really well. I mean, the, the size, the style, the, the cut of the jeans. Like, I, I, I like the, the, the slim athletic fit myself, and Adam's clothes that he passes down to me, they happen to be slim athletic jeans. Go figure and the waist and the length are just right. It, even my style, like th- that cool style that I have that you always probably like talk about amongst yourselves after church. Like, wow, did you check out Josh's clothes that week? Woo! Adam's clothes he passes down to me are just my style. They're worn in in just the right way. So like the way I sit and walk and the way that I hold myself, they're just right for that. Somehow, some way, the clothes that Adam's passed down to me fit me perfectly. It's like I've been rehearsing my whole life to wear them. That's what I mean by they're deserved in a sense. They fit me. The inheritance that Jesus gives It doesn't fit you like that. It's not deserved like that. You haven't been rehearsing and practicing it. In fact, there is nothing in your own strength that you have ever done that has perfectly echoed the righteousness of Jesus. Therefore, his inheritance he gives to you, it's not like, oh, it's a perfect fit. You're just going to, you know, meld right into it. No. Actually, his inheritance is something that 
doesn't fit you at all. It's not deserved at all. It's not earned at all. And that's precisely what makes it all the more powerful. Super grace shows itself to us like this. It shows us to, itself to us in the fact that Jesus does not give us the inheritance that we deserve. Jesus gives us the inheritance that he deserved. His perfect obedience and kindness and love and truth, all of those things that made it. Remember the day of his baptism, the heavens opened and the voice of God the Father said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. That's his inheritance that he deserves. And now he's given it to you. And even though none of that fits you in the same way that Adam's inheritance does, Jesus says, I don't care. I'm putting it on you anyways. It'll fit you in time. Which, that's kind of another sermon for another day about how we grow in grace and holiness. We begin to fit into those clothes. We're going to have to not really elaborate on that today. But I hope it's enough for you to sort of get that idea that the obedience of Christ is stronger than the disobedience of Adam precisely because he gives us something that's undeserved versus that deserved inheritance of Adam. Still might be a little bit abstract, though. So let's try to do better with something maybe a bit more practical. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair to say. Let's go to a more powerful obedience. I think I've got like part two up there. Yeah. So this time we actually are going to look at a verse that was in the parameters of our text today. And we're going to see that part of what the Bible is telling us about how Jesus is stronger than Adam is because he actually makes people righteous. He actually gives them righteous standing before God the Father. So. Verse 19 in the text today, I think I'm going to have it up here on the screen. It says this, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Or we can translate the one man's here. So by Adam's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by Jesus' obedience the many will be made righteous. Jesus makes people righteous. He doesn't just cancel out their sin. He actively gives them his righteousness. I cannot stress to you guys how important that distinction is. I've said this so many times in my ministry here as a pastor. You've probably heard it way too often, but I'm going to say it again. The gospel of Jesus is not about second chances. No. The gospel of Jesus is not about Jesus forgiving you, wiping the slate clean, and then saying, okay, go do better with your second chance. No. That is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is about him forgiving you and then him giving you his active obedience and righteousness to claim as your own. Tragically, I think so many believers and churches in our country have kind of mutated Christianity into just a second chance gospel. 
So that the whole idea is that, okay, you pray the sinner's prayer, Jesus forgives you, and then now you start going to church to learn how to be a better person and do better with your second chance. That is not the gospel. You know why? Because you're going to mess up your second chance. And you're going to mess up your third chance. And your fourth and your fifth. I see, I think you see where I'm going with that. That would not be good news if it was just Jesus you, turning you free to go do better on your second chance. That would be terrible news. What is good news is when Christ Jesus says, I'm forgiving you, but also giving you my inheritance, my righteousness. And I think for me this week, I was realizing that maybe the reason we struggle with this in the American church is because perhaps we have thought of Jesus' obedience and Adam's disobedience as equal forces that cancel each other out, like the yin and the yang. We, we think of it almost as like, okay, Adam's disobedience is a negative one. Jesus' obedience is a positive one. Put those two together and what do you get? Zero. The blank slate. The second chance. But that is not the math equation of Romans 5. Here's the math equation of Romans 5. Adam's disobedience is negative one. Jesus' obedience is positive infinity. <laughs> and I'm no expert, but if you did that simple arithmetic, I believe this side would be bigger and stronger and really good. And that's what Jesus gives you. Listen to me. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it means that when God the Father looks upon you, he reckons you as righteous just as he reckons Jesus. He sees you as holy and blameless. And actually, it's interesting. I got an email from one of our uh, uh, brothers up in paradise that heard me preach this morning. And he was curious about, okay, if God the Father sees me as holy and blameless, does that mean he doesn't see my, my sin or my dysfunction anymore? No. He still sees that. He still chastens us for that sometimes, disciplines for that. That's not like God is blind to that anymore. And yet, you're righteous, excuse me, your status before him as a believer is the status of Jesus, holy and blameless before him. You're clothed in the garments of Christ. God sees everything, and yet principally what he sees about you is that you're covered by the righteousness and the goodness of Jesus. That doesn't happen if Adam's excuse me, disobedience and Jesus' obedience are canceling out equal forces. It doesn't happen in the yin and yang scenario. It doesn't happen if Adam and Jesus both show up to the fight with pocket knives. No. It happens when the obedience of Jesus is way more powerful. When they come to the fight, Adam shows up with his pocket knife and Jesus rolls up in a tank. And he says, you brought sin to the party, but I brought super grace on Super Bowl Sunday. Man, I, I can't get over how cool that is, but I promise you, I did not plan that. <laughs> okay, guys, so those are the two big things that we've seen. That 
The obedience of Jesus is stronger than that of Adam, not his obedience, his disobedience. And the reason why is because it is undeserved instead of deserved. And because he actually makes us righteous, he doesn't just cancel out our sin. But there would be some people that hear me say all that, and they would say, amen, brother, amen, but you haven't gone far enough. There's something about super grace in this text that is like the cherry on top, that is the end-all, be-all of how powerful Jesus' grace is that you haven't even said yet. And here's what it would be. That super grace is so powerful and so strong that it saves every single human being without distinction, regardless of what they believe. And my hypothetical person in the congregation that's saying that I didn't go far enough would be saying, yo, to really give them the picture of how powerful Jesus' obedience is, you need to tell them that grace saves everybody, no matter what. They'd have a verse to point to as well. Maybe one that you noticed as we were reading. Verse 18, watch this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. That first term, all men, says the trespass led to condemnation. And you've heard me talk about this. Last week we did. The inheritance Adam gives is passed down to every human being without distinction. If you are a human being, you have inherited the sin of Adam. That's what all men means. Everybody. So, if that's how we define all men there, why not also do it for the second instance of all men? One act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Everybody. Everywhere. Regardless of what they believe. Our friends that would be challenging me in this way would say, see... The, the, the crowning achievement of Christ's obedience, his super grace, is that grace is so powerful, nothing can stop it. Regardless of what you believe, his grace will win. I have to admit that if we were to take verse 18 in isolation, that is the conclusion that we would come to. But, as you guys know, if, especially if you were here last week, verse 18 doesn't stand alone. It's one verse amongst many, surrounded by other places in the scripture that can help, help us see this in the way that it's meant to be seen. And even just last week, we were reading a passage in the very last verse, verse 17, the one that comes right before this, actually reads a little bit different. And now, look at verse 17. It says, For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Here, right before our troubling verse, Paul says, It is those who receive 
that are the ones that reign in life through Christ Jesus. Those who receive are the ones that experience the super grace. Those who receive, that is, believe, confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ and Lord, those are the ones that get to experience the power of Christ's obedience. And so I respectfully push back on any friend that was here saying that verse 18 says it's everybody without distinction and say, brother, sister, Romans has already made it very clear that Jesus' righteousness is powerful to be accepted by anyone and everyone, and yet it is only those who truly believe in him and receive his grace that experience the fullness of his power, his obedience, his righteousness that he gives us. And if they hadn't already, I would invite them to receive this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It actually kind of leads me to my last thought. And that is, you know, I just sort of kind of answered this objection, but then maybe we could say, well, <laughs> does that take away from super grace? Is grace now a little less super because of that? I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because I know this. I know that anyone who wants the grace of Jesus, anyone who desires the grace of Jesus, will never be denied. If you want it, you want him there is nothing stopping you even if you want to know Jesus today right now on Super Bowl Sunday there is nothing stopping you and the thing that I think is so remarkable about super grace is that anyone who wants it it's theirs for the taking I know we haven't gone through every detail of the life of Jesus in this 30 minutes today. Haven't talked about his crucifixion, his death. Haven't talked about his resurrection on the third day or his ascension into heaven. All these things are important pieces. And yet I hope that you've at least heard enough about his grace to get a sense of what this gospel of Jesus is all about. Namely, that he is inviting everyone to repent and believe and he's holding out to them the free gift, remember that? The free gift of his righteousness and his forgiveness for any that would receive him. If we humbly come to the Lord and say, I need you. And by that what I'm saying is we're saying to him, I've come to the end of myself. <laughs> I'm seeing that the more I try to earn my salvation, the more I try the more I end up just hurting and damaging and harming people, hurting and damaging and harming myself. The deeper I look within my own heart, the more sin and hurt that I see. Lord, I need you. You're all I have. I believe that you are the eternal son of God. I believe you are the savior of sinners. I want to follow you. For anyone that comes to Jesus with those words, he says, come on, you're mine, I'm yours.
And so here's how I want to end. I want to invite everyone in here to pray with me, but especially those of you that are in here that are feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit, saying, Jesus is yours for the taking today. Today's the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pray along with me. I'll lead us in prayer. Pray with me if you feel the Lord moving in your heart in this way. Let's do it. Jesus, we need you. Lord, we've spent too many days relying on our own strength, relying on our own intelligence, relying on our own good works. Lord, it's, it's been nothing but vanity, nothing but us just spinning and causing more harm and destruction and sin. Lord, we're at the end of ourselves, God. We need Jesus. We pray that you would give us the forgiveness of sins that he offers. We pray that you would give us his righteousness to hold on to as our own. We commit ourselves to him to be our Lord and our Savior. We want to walk after him with everything that we have. Lord, please hear our prayer. And let this day be the beginning of a new life in Christ. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I wish I would have brought, oh, I do have a bulletin up here. What I was going to tell you is that in the new kind of bulletin that we've put together, we have a place if you're a visitor, if you're newish to church, uh, it's a QR code. I know we got QR codes coming out the ears right now. But it's just a chance for you to let us know that you are here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. But here's the reason I'm mentioning it right now. It's also got a place on there to tell us if you'd like to talk more about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus and to follow him. And so I want to make sure you know about that. If you'd like to talk more with me or Pastor Brian about following Jesus and his newness of life. Also, too, just recently I've been reminded that um, we used to have prayer ministers every week that would be up front available to pray with people. We want to get back into the habit of doing that again. And I feel like tonight is a perfect night for that. And so I'm actually going to ask Brad and Janet Jacobson, could you guys stand up here for a few minutes after church and just be available, maybe just on the side right up here. And if you would like to pray, Brad is one of our ruling elders here at church. Um, if you would like to pray with Brad and Janet, they're available right there for you this evening. So. That being said, I will pass it on for this final song for this night.
Amen. Thank you for being at Vespers Chico this evening. And remember next week, we got the chili cook-off happening after church. Looking forward to that. Go with this blessing that God gives us from his word. He says, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Go in his peace. Amen. Amen.